my dearest Keen, I've been thinking about that dance we shared. Our time together in frailty was so brief and so long ago, but my memories still feel so fresh. The crowd of people dancing, your laugh caught in moonlight as I spun you around, the roughness of your vestments in my hands. Do you remember what we were trying to do there? Trying to free that remnant so your city's rulers could no longer exploit it? I think that was when I began to question my place in the splintered breath. It's funny, really, that when you joined was when I first thought about leaving. It wasn't that I disagreed with what we were trying to do. Kaloa did not deserve its imprisonment. However, seeing Ferox Erstrit's unwillingness to consider that the citizens of frailty would be punished as much as its rulers terrified me. I saw then that she would put her ideals above the safety of others. That does not mean I don't regret leaving the splinters, you most of all, but if I hadn't, I wouldn't have made my way south, I, I wouldn't have met the Sharrow. And yet, here I am, mourning the loss of the two most important influences in my life. One that showed me the truth of the power that I held, and how I could use it in subtle ways to bring good to a whole region. And then you, who taught me to trust again in the people around me, who showed me that I can love and rely on someone without feeling like a risk to their life. It's been so long since I wrote to you this way. I know that you'll probably never see this, but I never thought I'd see you again either. I hold hope that I might even get to read these words to you someday. Forever yours, Vens. Letters to the Lost Ones. Welcome to these Flimsy Rituals, a narrative-first role-playing podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Ryan Evans. Hello, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at @tdixon, and you can follow the show on Twitter at FlimsyRituals. So this might be the first of these, it might be the last, but essentially we're recording a series of one-on-one episodes, picking up from where we left off with the Revenant Chorus and their library. Everyone kind of got pulled in different directions by, like, Seastra's chains and tunnels. So this is the Vens episode. I thought we'd start by maybe getting a little bit into, like, how Vens is doing at the minute. What's going through his mind? What like, what feelings and thoughts is he having? I think after everything that's just happened, Vens is very happy just to be out of that situation. Glad that it was dealt with and that hopefully now they can finally get some answers and that actually having come out next to this waterfall and under a tree just by himself wasn't worrying. It was just nice. That makes sense. It's just very nice to just be here. Do you feel guilty at all about that? I think he feels guilty as such. Maybe more that he is curious about where the others are or perhaps maybe he's just concerned about his friends. Nothing more than that, I don't think. He knows he'll end up back with them at some point. Is he feeling anything about having met the Splinters? I think a lot of that is still sinking in because of how quick it all seemed to happen. Like how he got to the bottom of that well and 
that they weren't seeing Keen again and stuff like that. It was a lot to take in. So maybe it really hasn't sunk in properly just yet. But it was probably very nostalgic for him to be working with his friends again and other snarls. I think he's just a bit overwhelmed, I think. That makes sense. So yeah, as you described, you're like back at the waterfall, right? Where you originally met Tilla and... I think it's like quite a peaceful place. It's probably a little bit later in the day, and I think we described you kind of coming out and you're initially holding on to like a set of chains that are wrapped around the trunk of like one of the trees overlooking the waterfall, probably at the top, and set on some rocks there. One thing that I think is important is the thread that was like wrapped around your wrist by Belka to keep everyone together is still there. It's changed a little bit. It kind of looks like the fabric has been woven together and is it interlinked in the same way that chains would be. And so it forms a bracelet around your wrist and then you can see a long piece of this seemingly endless just trailing off. And one of the things you notice is like as you move around, it doesn't get tangled around you or affected in any way. So it could still be attached to the others. Yeah, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that, especially for Vens to assume that. I think Vens might just take a minute and run the thread through his hands, almost just looking at the new chain woven pattern throughout it and being quite interested by it for a little while and then maybe dropping it down and it's going to come back to that in a few minutes. So what is he doing while he's here? Is he reading this book? Absolutely. I mean, that's where he wanted to be. That's where he wanted peace and quiet to read the book. So yeah, as I described, it's kind of like a large grimoire quite big and quite heavy. The pages are slightly sticky as you turn them, and contained within are some of the memories of Serata Page, who was one of the team of people that kind of initially went and created Corpus, or at least Maddie and Kaylin kind of speculated about that. A lot of the prose is quite boring. This isn't written in the same way that you would write a story or even an autobiography. It's written as if you were just recounting everything that you did in the most mundane fashion. I guess it's a little bit like a recording or transcription that you'd get from like a police interview. So in order to like explore what's in this book and kind of make it interesting, I thought the best way to do that is probably to just ask some questions. I kind of created like a little mini game. You have 10 cards and each of those 10 cards corresponds to a question. It might be about Serata Page, it might be about Corpus, um, and depending on which card you flip, you get to ask that question. There's also like a counter question that I'm going to ask you in return. We're going to ask and answer these questions and flip cards until we draw the 10 cards. So you've got cards ace to 10. Once you get to 10 cards, that's like the end of the book. That's as much information you can gain from it. So it could be that a book contains lots of information about Serata and not very much about Corpus, or like vice versa. Just kind of to represent both what you can gather from the book and intuit, but also like which memories did Serata want to get rid of and like how clean was that and what details did she know and which details did she leave. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Okay. So is Vens just reading this all in one go? Yeah, I think so. I think he's just going to sit himself down, you know, either let up against the rock or up against a tree and just sit down and start making his way through it. 
they've been so desperate for this information he don't doesn't want to have the opportunity for it to get lost or taken from him before he's had a chance to read it and i imagine at some point it gets dark and you have to light a candle or something yeah so you can continue reading and maybe at some point because you're near the water like bugs come out and start annoying you and at some point you can hear an owl hooting in the branches but Venz is probably sort of oblivious and is just forcing himself to like get the information from this yeah definitely well you've shuffled the cards would you like to draw the first one oh perfect the ace and what is the ace who is Serata Page? Yes, I think uh, Serata doesn't necessarily answer this entirely up front in the book. There are definitely bits where she does, but you can probably like intuit and read this for a lot of the, the edges of the writing. Because I don't think she wants to like necessarily obliterate who she is, but in telling this story is kind of personal. So Serata is a lot of different things. She's a young woman who seems to have a lot of expectations on her, who has a lot of ambitions and dreams. She is also, and this is different to what Kaylin thought she was, she's not a binder, she's not necessarily a scientist, or she's maybe both of those things, but what, more importantly, she is a member of the Veric, uh, which are a group of people who not necessarily study the remnants, but like seek to understand them, and they like pass their information and learnings down through like their generations. The tomb that Belka and Kaelin met Memento Moriat was one of the Varric tombs, and the like necklace around Belka's neck, the new necklace that Memento and Kalan made for them, is fashioned after a Varric tomb. And I think they'd grown up as a Varric and grown up kind of being enraptured and fascinated by remnants. Lastly, they're also members of a group called the Entwined Form. And that seems to be who they travelled with. We'll find out later whether there's like more information about who they are or whether they're just mentioned in passing. So I get to ask a question back, which is, where are they from originally? Where's Serata Page from? Yeah. So uh, from what Vens can gather from the book, it, it seems that Serata might be from somewhere quite cold. Okay. Like it always it always seems to be that when the memories are recorded, it always seems to be a memory about it being too hot. Constantly, like every other passage, it almost seems to be that she's constantly complaining about it being too warm and that she's not used to it being like this. So I imagine that it's something similar to that, and perhaps she was near to a large body of water as well, so maybe like a a sea or a really big lake. Maybe somewhere out west. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I think there are like a couple of options here. Like maybe one of them is there's a place called the Sound of Silence, which is like a coastal region that's kept quiet. It's probably quite cold, not necessarily freezing, but is cold in the way that like the coast is in winter. So like biting winds and and like salt spray. Maybe it's not directly referenced, but you kind of work it out through like. The way that she writes stuff down and doesn't seem to use talking or doesn't like speak about like saying or communicating that way as like her primary means of communication. You kind of figure maybe she's grown up not communicating vocally much. That seems to make sense as well in the sense that if they are an, a group or an order that 
are trying to find out information about the remnants and hand it down, I guess it's something that they'd have to be quite secretive with because that information in the wrong hands could be very powerful. Yeah. I think just to make it clear, like, she can definitely talk. It's just, yeah, she's not necessarily the most talkative person. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's the same way, like, when you talk to different people, you can get a sense of, like, what senses they kind of interact with most. She very really says, like, I said this or I heard this. It was like, they communicated this. I read this. I, I sensed this. Okay, next question. The next question is, who is ultimately responsible for this? Oh, interesting. Interesting just because we just recorded the Belko on and there's some stuff in there. I think that Serata talks about this a lot. Because it wasn't the entwined form that was, like, ultimately responsible for this. They obviously wanted to do something like this. They wanted to do something like the creation of Corpus. But they never really had the power or the means to attempt it. And the idea for this was originally created in the North. It was first whispered about in the gardens of Heriot, which is actually the town where Vilta comes from. It was put together by a group of people who were working for an organisation, a faith, a nation, which Serata Page calls Provenance. And there's a story about the world that kind of is written across all of this land, even as far south as the Sharrow, in that there once was a remnant that was the centre of an empire. And that remnant was slain by the person that was your namesake, was slain by a human person called Ven, and the empire crumbled. This organisation, and it's not clear whether they have achieved this or not yet, but seemed to be focused on bringing that remnant back, and bringing the greater empire that it kind of ruled over back. And I think one of the things that is also clear and you probably get this through, like, Serata having been involved in these conversations as, like, this expedition was formed, is that there were envoys involved, there were people who were part of the guilds in Heriot involved, and finally the the Keepers were involved. And the Keepers are the organisation that the Hearts are from, the organisation that Belka is from. And here's my question back. Which long-lost acquaintance is mentioned? as being part of that group. Hmm. There's like, um, Ferox Erstrate we've mentioned a bit. There's also the one you've got to bond with. Is it Silver? Hmm. But it could be someone totally different. It could be someone that we've not seen or heard of on screen before. I think already in my head I had Ferox Erstrate. So I think that does make sense. And whether this is a before or after they formed the Splintered Breath, I don't know. I think it's after. I think this happened in the last couple of years. But yeah, whether it was before or after they left. Yeah, I'd say it was more after they left the group to pursue the, obviously them wanting to stabilise the snarls. Yeah. But I'm not sure how they would have been mentioned as part of this. I wonder I wonder whether it's just like a name. Because if um, Serata is trying to get rid of her memories of this, she has to go into every detail and maybe it's just like I was introduced to people called 
Ferox Erstray, I was introduced to uh-huh. this other name. I was introduced to someone whose name I didn't get, but they were wearing a brown coat and shoes that had red and gold embroidery. I imagine a lot of this is excruciating detail that you can kind of skim through, but like that's how it is spoken and recorded. Uh-huh. And you see the name and like some, some part of you just kind of recoils. Yeah, I think obviously the worst part is wanting to know more, but just seeing the name there is enough. Yeah, and not being able to get any more. You probably like flick through those few pages trying to work out if there's like more information there. Yeah, I imagine Ven's quite angrily flicking back and forth between these four or five pages. <laughs> okay, next question. What were Serata's reasons for doing this? Yeah. I think there's like a lot of anger in this record. Anger at the people who kind of commissioned this, because the things that transpired in the creation of Corpus weren't the things that she wanted to transpire. I think you get the sense that her reasons for doing this is she is passionate about finding a way to heal the cleave, to heal the remnants and bring both the spiritual and like physical forms of remnants back together. I think she wants to find a way to do that. And this opportunity was never about doing that, but it was about creating something. She talks a lot about it being like the next step that would give her knowledge and information that would allow her or whoever comes after her to learn how to heal the remnants. And obviously that went wrong, but that would those were her reasons. Does Ven sympathize? I think he understands. I'm not sure if he sympathizes. I think it's hard to sympathize with somebody in that situation trying to do so much with what they have. All good things start with good intentions. It doesn't stop it being a bad idea or a bad thing that she's done? No, of course not. So I think that obviously Fens has the hindsight to say that it's, you know, so far been a bad thing. Yeah, and Serata obviously has a lot of guilt and feels a great burden for having done this, which is obviously why she is doing this, why she wanted to get rid of these memories. But I guess that that maybe makes it harder to sympathise that she's not just owning it. Yeah, for sure. And actually, if from the way we saw the writing before, it, these parts could be quite different. Maybe, whereas before, maybe the writing was quite clinical, this is maybe a bit more emotional. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of the emotions through it are both like anger at the people who kind of misled her and like allowed her to do this, and a great amount of like guilt for like what happened and maybe like some fear as well like some fear for like what might happen next and like she's obviously the only survivor and she doesn't want to be found as the only survivor because she probably fears about what would happen if the people who hired her learned that okay what's next how was corpus created so i think corpus was created through a range of different disciplines i think that's sort of clear through how Serata talks about how she talks about the process. She was there because she was Voek and had probably greater knowledge about the remnants and how they work than pretty much anyone else. There were members there that were scientists. There were members there that were weavers and binders. 
There's probably even like a snarl there. And Corpus was created through their collaboration and them working together. I think Corpus was also created through long and very arduous work. This didn't come together easily or quickly. I think it took a lot of time and it becomes clear through their work that they had to do a great amount to keep what was happening secret from the people that lived under the mountain under Khan Veskel. And some of that was like hiding their activities, some of that was actually paying people off. Some of that community probably knew what was happening and convinced to turn a blind eye. Corpus was created for a lot of attempts. Like, this is new work, new science, and I think there were a couple of failures. There were times that it went wrong and they had to start again. There were times when they just started with smaller experiments before building onto the bigger thing. I think the picture of how Corpus was created is there was a vast cave, very dimly lit by lanterns, filled with a mix of books and vessels containing spirit, both stone and glass and bottles and terraria. There were markings made on the floor, ritual equipment. There were objects of tribute. There were barrels storing both food for the expedition, as well as things that they could sacrifice or give to create corpus. And I think like the other picture you get through a section of this book is Serata talks a lot about teaching corpus, about tending to corpus, about helping it learn and grow. This thing wasn't just created and left. This thing had had to be like raised. It was created and then had to be raised for a while. And then you get the sense that everything went wrong. So my question back is, what was destroyed to create it? So I think that what makes sense is that perhaps it was the destruction of a echo, and then they used that power to bring into being corpus. So is corpus an echo itself? Is it made of spirit? I think so. I think that's what it is, and I think that it has the ability to perhaps manifest in whatever way it, well, whatever way is best for its situation. I think that the time that we encountered it in the caves where it was the plants, perhaps was its best way there, as it almost as if it was even a stealth mechanism, that we weren't to notice it until we were all already in it. Yeah, I think one of the things that is clear from Sarata's writings is it's a thing that learns and kind of assimilates what it learns into the domains it represents or into the abilities it has. So it obviously gained control of those plants as a thing that it could mimic and took that on. That seems about right to me. So was it like a specific echo that was destroyed? Was it slumber under the mountain or was like another one destroyed? Well, because slumber was there when we were there, right? Yeah, slumber was there, but dying. So I don't think it was slumber that was destroyed. I feel like they somehow brought an echo with them to destroy. Okay. And I feel that maybe through corpus growing, it was almost devouring slumber to feed or to grow. Yeah. No, that makes makes total sense. Okay, uh, what, what's the next set of questions? Why was corpus created? Is this the why was Corpus created at Khan Veskel? 
Number nine, why was Corpus created? Okay. Question mark. Oh, okay. Yeah, those are two different questions. Interesting. So I feel like there are two answers to this. There's one which is why was Corpus created by the Entwined form? And that is because it was the next step of their experiments. It was the next step of trying to achieve their mission, which is to heal the remnants. And for them, it was like an experiment in, can we work with remnants in this way? Can we can we create remnants? I think the second part you get, probably through like Serata's anger at the people who commissioned this at Provenance, is Serata seems to think that this was created almost as a weapon. This was created as a tool. This was created for probably a darker purpose, and I'm not sure if this purpose will be in the book until we like draw that card, but Serata has a great deal of anger and resentment about the fact that she was played. I think you probably get a sense that like not all of the people that went into the expedition went into it the same hope and purpose, that Serata did, and maybe you start to read hints that Provenance probably sent its own agents in alongside them, and that is a little bit of why the experiment went as wrong as it did. So my question back is, what form does Corpus take? And we've spoken a little bit about this, but I guess what I'm getting at is if you went to see Corpus at its heart, if you went to see Corpus where it was growing, what does it look like? I mean, we already touched on the fact that it's made of spirit but i think that almost because it's man-made do we be right to say that because it's man-made that often i'm gonna say real remnants or real echoes take forms that are maybe similar to things we've seen in the world or in nature that i think because it's man-made it doesn't take a regular form it's almost not I don't want to say boring, but what I want to say is that it's almost just like a mass or just perfectly round or something like that. Something that was created in a mold. Yeah, almost like machined. It's not like a natural remnant or a natural echo. It's it's just too perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. How did Serata come here? And we're into, like, the last five questions now, aren't we? So at any point, could be the last question. Could indeed. Serata came here from uh, Heriot with the entwined form. I think they probably formed a caravan with pack animals, and they travelled through Heriot to the city of Embrace, and then sort of down through the long journey south through, like, multiple territories, finally passing through Irrevents and into the Sharrow. I think with them, they carried most of their supplies and gear for this journey, though they obviously picked stuff up on the way. And I think a lot of the like pack animals that they had were probably similar to um, what we saw in uh, like Ashards and Fragments episode in Eolith, like with like what Bregu was, halfway between like a water buffalo and a rhino, very big with like long shaggy fur. And they carried different wagons with this equipment in, and I think a couple of them carried, I imagine, like, what is effectively, like, a really large cage which held the Echo that they transported here. I think it's, like, maybe the cage takes the form of a wheel. Do you know, like, um, I'm imagining this looks like, do you know the great, like, metal 
circles that are alongside the the Thames in London, like those river Docklands yeah, things. Yeah, 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 those. But kind of like pulled on its side, so it's been pulled as a wheel. And like all inside of that are pinned edicts to kind of hold the remnant in place. And my question back is, where did she go next? Where did she go after giving her testimony to the monks of eulogy? I think she kept heading east. I think, if anything, after she'd not dumped those memories, but just left them there completely removed from her mind, that she just wanted to leave leave that place and just forget about everything. So I think she just kept heading east, and I think what she wanted to find was maybe something not similar to where she grew up, but just somewhere quiet, maybe by a big lake or by the sea, that she could just forget about what she's done. Yeah. And she probably found, like, Lake Scent and the lands of the Satrapy of Fertra? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Lake Scent is kind of on the edge of Senya, but also of Terran, which is where the Satrapy are, or, like, their, their heartlands. And she maybe found a small village there and settled? Or, like, that was her intention? Whether or not that came to pass, who knows. Okay, next one. Why was Corpus created at Khan Veskal? Corpus was created at Khan Veskal as a distraction. Corpus was created at Khan Veskal to weaken Provenance's enemies. The plan for the group calling themselves Provenance is to restore the Empire and restore the remnant that was slain by Ven. Corpus is basically their way of ensuring that no eyes are on them while they do that. It's kind of this far south because it's like far away from them, so it can't hurt them or can't hurt them yet for a long while. And their hope is that it at the very least distracts their enemies and beyond that weakens or like destroys them. What do you fear that Corpus has taken from the Sharrow? And I guess like I'm talking not necessarily about like the big things, but like what part of its like domains or what part of the spirit of the Sharrow do you fear that it's taken? Like if it could learn anything from the Sharrow, what wouldn't you want it to learn? Hmm. This might be an odd one, but perhaps the freedom that came from being in the Sharrow. I think a lot of the people that lived in the Sharrow were free to live their lives and were free to do the things that they wanted to do. You know, the people that lived there, the, even the land was, it was about freedom. And if Corpus has learned of that or taken that. Or starts to like desire that? Yeah, I think that's what I'm afraid it would take. That it would want to have that freedom for itself to do what it pleases. Yeah, and I guess it ties into like the shower also being about migration. Yeah. And you kind of don't want Corpus having that desire? Yeah, I think that is definitely something we don't want. Okay, what's next? Final question. What is Corpus? Oh, really? So yeah, we've kind of alluded to this quite a lot, but Corpus isn't a remnant. It is a lot like a remnant. It has a lot of the abilities and effects of a remnant but it isn't one 
Serata can't quite explain why. I think it's hard to explain why Corpus isn't a remnant. But all through the last section of this book, Serata tries to explain why. Both through, like, it can't be a remnant because of the definition of a remnant, because it isn't something that remains. It isn't something that was part of, like, the land and now is how it is. It is something that is created and therefore can't be a remnant. But there are just subtle ways in which it doesn't act like one. It doesn't quite have, like, the same relationship to its territory, seeking tribute from the people that live there or the things that live there. It doesn't have the same interest in creating a domain that is stable and is necessarily centred on it. There's something wilder there. And I think there's like something about how it is connected to the world and how it is connected to like the strings of spirit that connect everything that is just slightly odd and different. It's almost as if it can manipulate them in the same way that a snarl can. And the question to you is, building on that, like, are there any other ways that it is different from a remnant? I think that Corpus can't have envoys. Okay. Or that it, it can't um, reach out to snarls in that way, if that makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't have that connection with things around it or the beings around it. Like, it only knows how to take and not give. So if anything, if it does present envoys, they are just puppets of envoys it's taken. Okay. So that was your last question. What is the world like when Vance has finished reading? What time is it? What does this waterfall look like? I think it's definitely dark. Okay. I think that perhaps it's not bright moonlight. It could be even overcast. And that it's him just sat with this now closed book. Maybe even the birds are asleep now. It's just the sounds of like the bubbling waterfall, water just tumbling over some rocks. And yeah, Vence is just sat there taking it all in. And what's next for Vence? What are his intentions? Where is he going? I think he knows that the caravan is nearby, but he's also extremely curious about where this thread leads. And I think that his curiosity about the thread is going to get him more than going back to the caravan. Because he knows Briss went there, so it's fine. Yeah, I guess the answer here is... A little up in the air. So, I haven't fully figured out how this works. So maybe, like, you're the person that gets to decide this. The thread either leads to one of the people of the people it's connected to. So, those are you, Briss, Belka, Charla, and Callan. And the person that you're most wanting to seek is probably who it guides you to. Or the other option is it just leads to the middle point of all of you. So I guess that's your choice. Which which one do you think? I think that middle point okay. is more interesting. Which is probably somewhere not far from the caravan is, maybe. 
you probably start following it and yeah, it seems to be vaguely leading you in that direction. Is that where you're heading? Yeah. If anything, if it is leading us me the same way, then two birds with one hand. That's definitely a Ven saying, by the way. <laughs> Get two birds with one hand. So I think you arrive back at the caravan in the early hours of the morning. Or when I say that, what I mean is you arrive at the spot where the caravan was. You come out into a clearing that has emptied. All of the tents are gone. You get the sense that they have been packed up in a rush and a hurry. There are just, you know, bits left everywhere. Some sheets here or like a tent half packed away there. It's like they've been moved along quickly. I think as you walk into where the caravan should be, you you also see a lot of extra footprints, almost like boot prints, and the tracks of like large animals, maybe horses or ockant. You're not the first to arrive back here, though. I think Briss was. And Briss is here looking around in like a state of worry. And she is holding a piece of rope, and on the end of that rope is a person you recognise. Tied up, following Briss, is the jackal from the shadow, is uh, Raoul Estvalman. You are the only three people here where the caravan should be. 